Hello, hello, let's start the show. Dapper Dividends 57. That's right, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's Dapper Dividends 57. It's Dapper Dividends 57. I am your host, Russ, and I got a backed up mother effing drain again. This is turning into an every six months type of thing. I have a sewer line that I'm pretty much dead sure has a crack in it and there is a root that keeps growing through and I don't have a clean out in the front. So tomorrow, this guy right here is going to go to the Home Depot, ticker symbol HD, and rent a router, rent an auger, and I'm going to have to pull the toilet out again. And actually, (laughs) a funny thing on my YouTube channel, in the very second episode I ever did, I actually had my wife film me augering out the drain, drain snaking, so I know exactly when I last did it. It sucks. I hate doing it. It only costs about $60, 60 US dollars though for me to do it myself, and I am very cheap. We're probably going to have to get this thing fixed right, but this is going to give me time at least at least another six months to plan and figure that out. We have the money set aside, which this actually, this literally just happened about two hours ago. I was going to come down and record. I got out of the shower and there was water all over our downstairs carpet and bathroom. Son of a bitch. And I know exactly what it is. I've been through this before and we're going to get it taken care of. But at the very least, so the point I'm making is it's good to have an emergency fund because we have money set aside for when life happens, when drains back up, dishwashers break, washing machines break, something can break. And I have money set aside that I can take care of it, pay cash for it. And then I will just pay the bank account that we took it out of back. So we don't have to pay interest uh, to the credit card because I hate paying interest, you know? Interest you pay is a penalty, but interest that you receive is a reward. So honestly, the only interest that I am paying right now is on my mortgage, which is fine because it's super low. It's 3.625%. And that's it. That's the only interest I'm paying. All the other interest in my life, I receive, which I love receiving it. And speaking of interest, I'm interested in a few books and and I'm going to tell you about a few books. Uh, One of them reminded me of a Middle Eastern story of mine that I'm going to tell you about that I'm going to do a quick little, try this out, quick little numbers. I'm not big on reading numbers on podcast form because I think you can get lost in them. So I'm going to try and pick out some numbers that are useful that will hopefully translate well over podcast form into your ear holes and into your brain, into your brainicle about Intel, Kimberly Clark, which I love. I love you, Kimberly Clark. And Pepsi. I was going to say peeps. I don't know what I was going to say. You know me on a Friday night. It's Friday night. It's all right. It's still sober October. So this guy has not had any alcohol and it's been fine. Actually, a week from tomorrow night. I will be, it will be Halloween night, my favorite night of the year. And that's when I'm going to resume my regularly scheduled alcohol consumption, which is not a lot, but might be a lot to some, but it's a little to others. And I'm, I might be there in the middle, which is where I like to be. I did read two books this week. 
I finished The Latte Factor by David Bach. Very good book. I, I found it very interesting. Again, like I said, I didn't learn anything new, but it was a different way of saying things that I've heard before, which I really enjoyed. I've, I've told you guys time and time again that you nobody is going to say something that has not been said before, but somebody will say something that has been said before in a completely new and different way in their own voice, making it sound new and unique. But when you break it down, it's like Lego blocks. We're just Lego. The Lego block is the idea that is already in existence and people just keep taking different Lego blocks and rearranging them and putting them in different combinations and ways of looking them at them and stacking them. And that's just remember that. That's what clever people do, though. You want to say something that is already been said in a different way. And the three secrets from The Latte Factor by David Bach, which, again, it's a very short read. I think on audio book, it was only about four and a half hours. I listen at one and a quarter, which, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, do yourself a favor. Speed it up to one and a quarter. Unless English is not your first language, then I get it. When I listen to my Spanish I listen at regular speed at 1x because it's not my native tongue and I need it slowed down. So I'm probably speaking too fast for you already. I apologize. My wife tells me I should slow down, but this is just how I talk. So that is what it is. And again, if you're listening to me, speed it up because you'll get more information and more knowledge crammed in your head. You'll get out of it sooner. You'll get done quicker. You can listen to more and maximize your learning potential and listening time. So in The Latte Factor by David Bach, his three secrets are number one, pay yourself first. Pay yourself, he says, at least at a minimum, this is his idea, is to pay yourself the first hour that you work every day is for you to keep. You keep that. If you make $25 an hour, then you're saving $25 a day, whether that's in a mutual fund or a retirement fund. Some kind of savings account is the way to go about it. So that's that's it. You work eight hours a day. Whatever you get paid in that first hour, put that in your pocket. And the second secret that that leads into is to make it automatic. Now, I don't, I agree with him on this. I don't budget. He says, don't budget, make it automatic, which is what I do through my work. So I think 15%, I max out the 401k contribution. 15% automatically goes right in uh, tax-free. It goes into the IRA tax-free. I don't see it. It doesn't exist to me. It's just zoop. (laughs) just like that just like that it goes right in right from the work I earn it it goes in pre-tax done don't see it that's making it automatic so I don't budget so right there I know that whatever I see on my paycheck that I get into my bank account I know that's already after 15% of my income has been set aside for savings and then I take probably at least another 15% out of that and I put it into my taxable account as another investment form and a little bit of Bitcoin. I did, spoiler alert, which I don't think I wrote it in my notes to talk about. I did buy a little more Bitcoin this week. It seems stabilized. I will be watching the next time the market does crash, drop hard, if Bitcoin will sell off. I was a little bit dismayed. That was one thing I was really keeping my eye on during the next market crash, collapse, 
pullback, whatever you want to call it, was to see how Bitcoin reacted. It didn't fare very, not very, it didn't fare well at all. I don't have the percentage, but it sold off with the market, with precious metals, with uh, the you know all the other cryptocurrencies. So I'm hoping that it will be a little bit more stable. And it has been around the, what, nine to $12,000 uh, per coin mark for quite some time now. And that's, uh, that's that. So I do make it automatic and I don't budget. And then third, he says, which I like is to live rich now. After you, you have saved, so after you've paid yourself first and made it automatic, take some of that money and live now because you don't know what is going to happen in the future. You you could have a grand plan to retire at 35 if you're 21 and hearing this. Well, what happens if you get hit by that proverbial bus when you're 32? That sucks. If you did nothing fun, had no funds, that I'm going to have all my fun later in life. And it's obviously living life a little, not living life a lot, because we are saving. We're putting money away, paying ourselves first, saving that first hour that you work of every single day and putting that somewhere where it will compound and doing something. Go with friends, family. The way I like to do it is have a meaningful trip do something meaningful with my family. I'm not just buying shoes or clothes, something that in a year or so is going to get thrown away or given away or resold. Something of value that you will carry with you. And I want to say for the rest of your life, but unfortunately, part of the human condition is this pesky little thing called Alzheimer's and our memories can fade over time. But we'll take that chance. At least you will have done it. You can take pictures. They can show you pictures. You may not remember going there. But hey, if there's pictures of it, you know, maybe by then it'll be deep fakes. I'll be, I'll be senile and old somewhere and they can just tell me I did things that I didn't do. So good book by uh, David Bach, The Latte Factor. The second book I read is called Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. Now, this normally isn't my kind of book, but he was a Navy SEAL and he endured something really crazy. He was part of a four-team special mission in 19... Uh, where's my note? Oh my God, I got lost. I didn't write it down. It was in two, It was in June of 2005, I just remembered. In June 2005, it was called Operation Red Wings. He went with four other, uh, three other, I'm sorry, he was a four-team special forces in Afghanistan to capture a Taliban, 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 hey, Mr. Taliban, Taliban. He was uh, supposed to capture one of the bigwigs of the Taliban in Afghanistan, and it went wrong, and the three guys died. He survived, crawl, crawled uh, three miles, and people shooting at him. I think he went uh, seven miles after he was bleeding and thirsty and it took him several days. Just a really incredible story. And what I really liked about it was when he talked about, uh, he mentioned boot camp because everybody that is in the Navy, that is a Navy SEAL has to go through regular Navy boot camp with, you know, what I went through. And then they go to uh, BUDS where they try and ferret out. They, they pick the best of the best. And I really liked it because in there he was talking about how the body can endure so much more pain than the mind can. 
the body has such a high tolerance for pain. But if you have a weak mind, man, you got to really build that up. So they really test the mind to see who has such strong mind and who's not going to break under pressure. Because I even experienced it myself when we were in boot camp. I, I gr- remember I was tall, lanky, skinny guy. And there was a football, kind of like the high school jock, good looking guy, very muscular, had a lot of um, weightlifting. And just so physically, he was a specimen. You know, he was one of these guys that looked like they were chiseled out of granite. And just about four weeks in, I remember we were at attention and he did something wrong. He wasn't getting it right, whatever it was. And he was getting yelled at by the uh, recruit division commander, the RDC. And he just started crying. And then he they laid into him. Then the second one came over and they were just, that's what they want. They want everybody to be broken down. Some people it takes longer than others. But I, w- I had a, I was privy to information from my my cousin who had been in the Navy and he said, it's just a game. It's nothing personal. Do whatever they say, whenever they say it, exactly how they say it. And you're going to get yelled and screamed at, but it's just part of the game. Play the game. You'll be fine. So I looked at it as a game going in and it was just something to watch. So he cried and he could (laughs) said he couldn't handle this shit anymore. And I, you know, he was crying. I can't take it. I want to go home. I can't take this shit. And I thought like, wow, I never even came close to that. So that just goes to show you that you can have all the muscles in the world, but boy, that, that mind, that brain is something else that cannot take as much pain. If it's not properly trained that like the body, it is a muscle. So that was good. And it did remind me. So what we're running over here, you don't mind, you don't mind a story. Do you? here we go. We're back. This is another part. I had to stop the recording. So here I started telling a story and I got about 15 minutes into this Navy story. And I just, I was like, you know what? This is going way too deep. I can't tell this story this long. So I'm going to give you the really quick version of it. It was June, 1998. We were pulling along into Jabal Ali, which is a port in the United Arab Emirates. They have the largest man-made harbor there. I signed up for an excursion with some of the guys, snorkeling excursion, uh, two hour long bus ride, crazy bus ride took us to, this was the first time I saw a gas station. We had to get gas and there was a bathroom and I remember everyone laughing and I came in and looked. There was no toilet paper, no sink, no anything. It was a room with a tiled hole in the floor. That was it no toilet, no anything. So I remember we were all, you know, taking turns like peeing into this hole. Weird. And uh, they took, we got to this place. It was run by an Englishman, English company. Uh, They took snorkelers and scuba divers. They took the snorkelers, dropped them off. Scuba divers took them out. It was my first time snorkeling. And uh, anyway, so there was this little beach that we were supposed to get out on and sit and wait after we went around the island where they dropped us off. And I didn't have the neoprene shoes because my feet were too big. So everybody was taking a shortcut and getting out by these rocks, which is what I did. But there was little crabs jumping all over them and I almost stepped on one, slipped, smashed my ankle against the rock, busted it wide open. 
and I could see my ankle bone and lots of blood. So I had to sit for about 40 minutes with one guy, luckily had a t-shirt holding my ankle closed, got on the boat. And when they came back, had to walk through the water with my busted bleeding ankle. He took me to this little village when he said, the, the Englishman said, you know, we got to get you stitched up. Don't tell anybody anything that you are in a, an American in the service. There's a chance you'll be abducted and held for ransom. He's like, we just need you to get you stitched up. Get out of here. Don't say anything. I will do all the talking. I followed his lead. I did not say a word to anyone. I just smiled and nodded, played stupid. They stitched me up with silk sutures, which when I got back to the boat, they couldn't believe it because they said we have not used silk sutures since World War II era. And that was it. And then I got infected. I got ankle cellulitis. I didn't get to go on swim call in the Persian Gulf a week later, which is fine because everybody ended up getting stung by a bunch of jellyfish that happened to move into the area. But that was fine. So that that kind of reminded me of uh, a very watered down going through of what Marcus Luttrell went through. Obviously, that's I'm saying that, you know, with humor, because what the man went through was just crazy and insane. So let's talk about Intel. Intel's revenue fell 4% year over year to $18.3 billion. Uh, One of the things that stood out to me was their gap earnings per share was down to $1.02, which was a 25% drop from last quarter, which that's not too good. Obviously, you don't want to drop. But the core of their business is client computing, which was up 1%. That makes up 53% of their revenue. The Internet of Things was their biggest loser, but that only makes up 4% of their revenue. That was down 26%. The Internet of Things is interconnected devices such as security systems, uh, refrigerators that can talk to each other. But they were down everywhere across the board. Their um, their cash and crash equivalents is... Boy, I just cannot talk tonight. $3.3 billion. You know, this is why. So it, it's understandable why they're down that much. And I think I may be looking to buy into Intel. It's definitely something to, to take a look at. But here, for the fourth quarter of 2020, they expect revenues of $17 billion and gap of $1.02. So they, they basically are saying they expect to be flat for the rest of the year. That's fine. That, that's a buying opportunity, and we'll see. We'll see what fourth quarter brings. And their CEO did have a statement. He said, nine months into 2020, we're forecasting growth and another record year, even as we manage through massive demand shifts and economic uncertainty. We remain confident in our strategy and the long-term value we'll create as we deliver leadership products and aim to win share in a diversified market fueled by data and the rise of AI, 5G networks, and edge computing. That is Bob Swan, the CEO of Intel. What do you think about Intel? Are you going to buy them? I might buy them. And another company is AT&T. This is a company that I did buy a couple of June 18th, 2021 calls for. 
some long calls, not years. That's only, you know, several months. But what I do like about AT&T is that their communications were only down 3%. So communications makes up 79.4% of their revenue which Warner Media, so there's only really three segments. Their communications, which is 79%, and then their Warner Media makes up 17.4%, which that was down a 10%. And then Latin America is the other 3.2%, which eh, you can do without that. But their gap earnings per share down 22%. It's funny that most of these companies, and this is the, the trick that they play a lot in wall street is that if you've noticed when they expect things to be rough magically their earnings per share get put lower if you look at the bubble charts it's funny how when rough times come it's because they want to beat they know it's psychological that if these companies beat so that's why when companies miss earnings well you know it's really bad it's a trick it's it's all a psychological trip trip trick AT&T, I definitely own them. I've been buying them. I will be buying them some more. Their total subscribers in the third quarter from second quarter was up from 171,407 to 176,000. So they added, definitely, uh, they added subscribers. Their, um, their broadband connections, basically flat. It's, it's a tough time for everybody. And their operating expenses are at $36.2 billion, which is only down 1%. AT&T also, so they reported their uh, quarter financial results for the period ending on September 30th. So their net income was $0.39 a share compared to $0.50 a share, which was in the third quarter of 2019 for a drop of $0.11 there. One thing I really did like is that their net debt declined by $2.9 billion in the quarter, sequentially in the quarter. John Stanky, their CEO, one thing I like is that he said, our strong cash flow in the quarter positions us to continue investing in our growth areas and pay down debt. We now expect 2020 free cash flow of $26 billion or higher with a full year dividend payout ratio in the high 50%. That's what I've been saying. I buy them for their dividend. I don't think they're going to be growing that much. They're, as I look at their AT&T mobility, the subscribers and connections from quarter two to quarter three went up from 171,407 to 176,744. Their operating income did drop 22% though. But their dividend, that's that's what we're buying it for. And they're having no trouble paying their dividend. So while they figure out all that other stuff and they do pay down the debt, hey, that's fine. Also, communications makes up 79.4% of their revenue. And that was down 3%. That's not too bad. If, if So second in the lead for them, they only have three segments, communications, Warner Media, and Latin America. Communications was down 3%. As I said, that makes up almost 80% of their revenue. Warner Media was down 10%, which makes up 17.4. If their bread and butter was down 10%, I might have say that's something to worry about. They're going to be fine. The dividend's not going anywhere. I'm definitely going to be buying more AT&T, and I did buy a 
covered call, not a covered call. I bought a call option that expires June 18th of 2021 for 84 cents. And that's for $30. And I paid 84 cents for, uh, per, per 100 shares. So $84 times two. And I have until June 18th of 21 to see if my thesis will play out that they will be over $30. And if it should shoot up and I can get a nice 50 or hundred percent on my money, I might just cash out with that. Well, I did say I was going to talk about Pepsi, but I changed my mind. I want to talk real quick about Kimberly Clark and why I think it was completely overblown that they dropped so much. So their net sales were actually up 1%, which, okay, granted their earnings per share, the the gap earnings was $1.38, which was down 29%. But they were up across on, on their personal care makes up 50% of their sales. That was up 1%. The consumer tissue makes up 34%. And that was up 9%. The only one of their segments that was down was the KC Professional. And the KC Professional is like solutions and soaps and sanitizers, which is a lot of what what I like seeing is that they have touchless soap, paper towels, air fresheners, things like that. I'm in a lot of these warehouses and businesses every week. And I see more and more touchless, which also makes sense because with a lot of restaurants and places limited in their capacity and places just outright shut down, obviously that's going to affect their professional segment. But all in all, I think it's just way overblown. Granted, they're probably going to be flat the rest of the year. I think even though they did increase their guidance, which is very positive. Their CEO, Mike Sue, said, we delivered solid organic sales growth in the third quarter with good underlying performance and increased demand because of COVID-19. We also achieved $140 million of cost savings and returned approximately $560 million to shareholders through dividends and share repurchases. They are committed to the dividend. They are not going to be cutting that dividend. That's what I am buying them for. Well, granted, I like their products. I like Scott Tissue and Viva. That's what I'm buying them. But just seeing that net sales and actually organic sales increased 5%. The company, I should say for the full year, the company expects net sales to grow 2 to 3% on organic sales to grow 5%, which organic is big. And actually, I'll take a second here. If you don't know what organic sales is, organic sales is, think of it this way. If if a soda company like Coca-Cola, they have their Coca-Cola brand soda, which humming along, doing fine, making money. And then all of a sudden there is a, so we're October here, there is a fizzy water craze. Everybody wants, we'll say fizzy uh, sparkling iced tea and they don't have a fizzy sparkling iced tea so they have two options they can either use R&D and make their own fizzly fizzly sparkling fizzy sparkling iced tea or they can buy it they can just buy another company some small company and then incorporate that into theirs which will be part of net sales but organic is if it was created in-house and they developed it themselves as organic. So just the fact that they're not going to have to buy, like I did see, I don't remember the name of it. They bought an Indian diaper company. Kimberly Clark did, not, not Coke. Uh, Kimberly Clark bought an Indian diaper company's 
a couple months ago. That would not be organic because they are acquiring that and that'll be, uh, you know, part of their, their net sales. Hey, I'm buying Kimberly Clark as I did buy them this week. We'll get into that here uh, just a second. And that's, that's pretty much all I wanted to tell you about Kimberly Clark is that I think this is way overblown that they, they dropped so fast, uh, so quick when, when trading opened up and I will be buying more of them, uh, if they could drop even a little bit further. So I did buy that, um, that AT&T covered, I keep saying covered. It's an AT&T call option. I bought two of them for $30 and it expires on June 18th. And I paid 84 cents or $84 per contract which I think is fantastic because I think AT&T is going to keep growing, as I said, uh, or not growing, but just humming along. They're, you're not buying them for growth. You're buying them for the dividend. You're buying them for the growing dividend is what I was trying to say is what I, I'm buying them for. And they're, they're going to be fine. And I like that they're starting to look more committed to paying down their debt. So let's, let's get through these pretty quick here. I bought two shares of Kimberly Clark. Uh, but I did buy one before earnings at $149.28, which was a 2.87% yield. And then one after earnings for $138.75 for a 3.08% yield. So it, what a difference a few days makes, huh? $11 a share cheaper. Are you kidding me? Good Lord. Two shares of Merck at $78.32, uh, 3.12% yield. A lot of these are on 3% yields here. Uh, I've, I've covered Merck. I like the direction that they're going. I, I liked, so that's, I got the big three pharmas in my portfolio. Now I have Johnson & Johnson, which is my first and foremost till death do us part. I have AbbVie, which I love my AbbVie. And then the brand new kid on the block is Merck. And I think that's probably where I'll be. I'll be fine with those three from all the research that I've done. Uh, and then I did. To top it all off, I bought a share of AbbVie at $84.70 for a yield of 5.57%. That is just monster, but not as monster as one coming up here. Uh, two shares of ExxonMobil at $34.95 for a massive 9.96% yield. That yield just keeps hovering around 10%. And I bought a share of Pepsi. $139.75 for a 2.93% yield. Every week, I'm buying a share of Pepsi. So I added a total of $29.21 of dividend income. And I didn't tell you, I got two dividend payments this week. One of them was Cisco, ticker symbol CSCO, for $7.20. And another of them, <laughs> another of them was Simon Property Group, ticker symbol S. PG, $13 I received, so $20.20, 20 2020 of dividend income that I got to put toward any of those shares you just heard me talk about. And the self-directed IRA, not a whole lot going on there. I did get $3.24 from Cisco, and I bought one share of Kimberly Clark at $139.50. And we'll just roll right into my, my song of the show here real quick. It is... Something that I would hear a lot um, to learn Spanish. What I used to do back before the apps and my podcasts, so this is about 10 years ago, is I would listen to Spanish radio here. And one song that was real popular and I used, I remember liking a lot, 
was called Sin Tu Amor by Alecranes Musical uh, or Por Alecranes Musical, the musical Scorpions. Not a whole lot to say there. Just I, I, I love the Mexican music sound. It's very, it has like a polka flavor to it. And from what I've understood is that that had to do from World War II that the Germans had some influence in Mexico, the Nazis, and some of their music rubbed off on their culture. I have never verified that or looked that up. So anyways, good song. I love the tuba that they got going. And it's very, it's a, a lot of this Mexican music I hear has like a 50s polka kind of rockish feel it's very unique if you've never heard it check it out alacranes musical or alacranes musical for you americans for you americans sin tu amor and uh i'm spent i spent a lot of i've had to stop this a few times because we had uh some difficulties in the house here so i had to stop it and this is gonna be a little choppy and uh, we'll get back to things next week we'll get back to the way things go and i will talk to all y'all on tuesday Have a good weekend, everybody.